0: As always, it's so good to be with you. How are we doing, church? Good. Anybody going through sports withdrawal? (laughs) ESPN being taken off a spectrum? Well, I am. I'll be honest with you. I am. I hope they get that fixed soon. Well, enough about about sports. Um, For some time now, we've been planning a series of homilies on the Eucharist, and it's in response to... uh, Pope Francis's request of what's called the three-year uh, cycle of Eucharistic revival to help to, uh, help the Church to more fully understand their faith and, wh- and the importance of the Eucharist. Well, I'm pleased to announce that that day has arrived. Uh, although it was uh, it's one week early, uh, I'm in big trouble. I was supposed to do this starting next Sunday, but I didn't. And uh, it's part of getting old, I guess. I uh, went to the doctor's office this week to get my annual blood check, and the lady said, "Well, honey, you're not here supposed to be here till next week." (laughs) All right, so I said, "Okay, well, that's me for you, I tell you." But uh, I think the timing is perfect, whether it's this week or next week, uh, for Eucharistic revival. And here's why I believe that to be true: because I see it. I see it, and that's that's a good sign of it. People are coming to the realization today that humanity in and of itself cannot solve its problems. It cannot solve its problems as a group, corporately, you might call it, or personally or individually, as you might call it. You can't iron those problems out by yourself. And what happens is when you, when you go down that road and you realize, well, hey, this doesn't work. You know, We see signs of it everywhere today, out in the world and also in our personal lives. Then we turn, then we look for something else and a lot of times we turn for spiritual truth where's the spiritual truth what can god do what can god offer so uh, i truly believe that our situational awareness today has brought us to a position where that there's a renewed hunger and thirst for spiritual truth and what a great day of celebration it is to know that we're looking for looking for truth in the right places well by way of introduction to our series kickoff I will say this, I I have spent several months, several months now studying about the Eucharist because I love the Eucharist. I'm a a convert, and the Eucharist was critical. It was core in me uh, converting to Catholicism. It really was. But I have to tell you this, in regret, I haven't done any, you know, the Eucharist is taller, uh, you know, the height, the beauty, the goodness, the truth of the Eucharist is greater than Mount Everest. It's that tall. And so I've been trying to scale it, and I, all I can say is the more I scale it, the more I realize I'm not getting anywhere, because it's too great. This is, the, this is ultimate truth. I think that's why the church calls it the Eucharist, the source and the summit of the church. You know, boom, it's up here. It's the, it's the apex. So uh, there's just tremendous truth that is contained in the Eucharist. So uh, I'm going to give it my best shot. I'll, I'll do that. So where do we begin? Where is a good place to begin a deeper understanding and appreciation of what's been described as the source and summit of the church? Well, the answer is t- the Holy Mass. Take a look at the Holy Mass. That's the place to look. Uh, right off the bat, as you, come into, as you come into the church, you notice there's a feast a feast, a celebratory type of atmosphere that's taking place. Now, is that by chance or is that by intention? Well, it's by intention. Because something here that's happening right now in your midst is a great celebration. And it is a day of celebration. It is a day, it is a cause for great rejoicing. What did we do just a minute ago? Every mass, when we process in. It's always a song of praise and thanksgiving to God for what God has done in our lives. When we leave today, it'll be the same thing, same type of song, but it's always praise for what God's doing in our midst and what God has done and the eternal uh, consequences of that situation. And then after that, we enter into a time where we ask God to purify our hearts and minds, why? so that we can receive the fullness of what he has to offer. This is a celebration. You know, when you come through those doors today, didn't you feel a great mood of celebration, a great mood of joy, a great mood of anticipation? That's what the Mass is. It's that. It's that. And then as we we ask God to get our hearts and minds in the right place, we move right into what I consider to be one of the best parts of the mass, and that's the Gloria. I love the glory, I always love it. Glory to God in the highest, and peace on earth to people of goodwill. Glory, glory, celebration, isn't it? That's celebration, isn't it? And then there's the beautiful prayers of praise and the thanksgiving, the cantor, the choir that we're so privileged, the organ, the piano, all different types of instruments that focus upon praising God. Praising God in joyful celebration. And then there's the readings, and then there's the gospel reading. But what do we do before we read the gospel? We all stand up, don't we? And what do we do? We sing hallelujah. What does hallelujah mean? Praise God. (laughs) Praise God. Do you feel like we're celebrating something here today? When you walk through those doors today, did you have a spirit of celebration and great joy in your heart? Well, that's why we're here, you know. And that's just the start of the celebration. What it does, it, as we go further and further into the Mass, it goes higher and higher and higher into the notion of celebration. And uh, even, you know, as we, as we begin, as we enter into the Eucharistic prayer, the, the early part of the, of the Eucharist, guess what? It's like walking with Isaiah into the throne room of heaven. And he walks in and he sees these angelic creatures called seraphim floating around over God's head, singing 24 7. What you're going to sing in a minute. Holy, holy, holy Lord God of hosts, heaven and earth is full of your glory. Hosanna in the high. is that what they said when Jesus came in to Jerusalem? Hosanna. See, it's praise. It's praise for what God's doing. And then just a little bit after that, we sing what's called the great amen. The great amen. You know, as the the chalice and the paten are elevated through him and with him and in him, all glory and honor and praise is yours. And then we sing, amen, amen. We'll sing it twice today. You know, what what do we say? Yes, so be it. This is great stuff. We praise God for what God has done. Something great's happening here in our midst. It happens here every time we gather together to celebrate the Holy Mass. That's why it's a festive season. The Mass is always festive as we go deeper and deeper into the intensity of celebration. Yes, even to the point where some saints have become so overwhelmed with love. So overwhelmed with love that they say, Lord, you gotta stay your hand for a minute. I can't take, if, if I get more love, if I receive more love than I'm receiving right now, I'll fall over and die, it'll kill me. You ever thought about that? You ever felt such intensity of love? Well, that's what the Father wants you to feel when you're gathered here today. So what is capable? What is capable, you might call it, of carrying us to such great heights each time that we celebrate the Holy Mass. You know, I've been celebrating the Mass for 23 years. I've never had a boring Mass. Never. I've never fallen asleep. I've never been bored, but I find myself enthroned in the glory of the presence of God. I celebrate with great. Joy. What could do that? Well, it's recalling to mind and being renewed and refreshed by the covenant that God has established between Himself and you through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what we that's what the Mass means, folks. It's a great celebration, a great celebration. And we affirm that in everything that we do during the Holy Mass. Well, what's so wonderful about this covenant, you might ask, that God institutes through Jesus for you and for me? Well, let me share with you a few of the highlights of it. After man freely chose, it it was his decision to alienate and distance himself from God. We call that original sin. What does god do god promises that he will restore us back to himself first thing he does first thing he does right out of the chute i'm going to restore you to me i'm going to restore you why would he do that there's only one answer love love's the only thing he loves us with an everlasting he's our creator remember we're made in his image and likeness That's no small small, uh, feat, if you want to call it that. And that's why the covenant that is created between God and us, it is a covenant of grace. It is a covenant of mercy. It is a covenant of great love that is directed towards us. I think this is one of the most important things. You know, covenant is not like going to the bank and saying, hey, I'd like to, I want to take a loan out and buy a house. I'll say, yeah, well, I'll loan you this money. You pay me this interest. You know, it's a mutual agreement kind of thing. That's not what a covenant is. A covenant is one where one institutes it and the other one follows with it, agrees to it. Well, who institutes this covenant? You would think it'd be us because we're the ones in need. We're the ones that need to be restored and renewed to God. No, God does it. Why does he do it? He doesn't. You know why? He loves you. He loves you. That's why he does it. There's no other reason than he loves you. And he says, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to create this bond of friendship between you and me, and it will be forever, meaning it will be permanent, it will be irrevocable, it will be eternal covenant. And this friendship is so deep. There's only one friendship where this word is used. And it's in relation to your friendship between God and God and yourself. It's not used in any other kind of friendship that you have. You know what that word is? Charity. It's called a charitable friendship. That's exactly what it is. God's saying, we will be friends forever. You know what Jesus said? I call you my friends. I call you my friends. No longer servants. I call you my friends. And it's something that is forever. Now, a covenant has to be sealed. You know, when you, when you go to, to close out a loan or whatever, you always have the notary there. They're, they're witnessing to it, aren't they? They put that big stamp thing on it. You know, it looks impressive. Um, you know, they're sealing it. It's like this is the seal of the covenant. You sign it. The loan officer signs it. Well, what about this situation? What's the seal of the covenant? Well, I think about Noah. Noah, when God, made a, when God made a covenant with Noah, he said, this is the seal. It's a rainbow. I saw two rainbows this week, and it was beautiful. When I see a rainbow, I'm reminded that's God's sign. Of, it's his covenant. He's made, He said, whenever you see that rainbow, it's a sign of my covenant with you. What's the sign of this covenant? The covenant of friendship, deep, deep friendship. It is nothing other than the very body, the blood, the soul, and the divinity of Jesus. That's what seals the covenant. But here's the mind-boggling, if that weren't enough mind-boggling. Here's the mind-boggling part about it. Who is Jesus? Well, he's the second person in the Trinity. That's God in the flesh. Folks, God is reconciling himself to you. Through his great love. That's that's powerful what Jesus said when he he instituted the covenant. He he said, This is my blood, this is my body, didn't he? And he meant it. He meant it literally. Uh, So that covenant is binding and it is sealed. Now it becomes a choice. It was a choice for the disciples that night. They had to decide if they wanted to receive it or not. You know, it was a choice. Judas didn't receive it that night, did he? He didn't offer it to him until afterwards. See, Judas chose not. He chose not. But some choose to do it. And when you choose, see, Jesus is not going to force himself on you. Remember that. You can't have the, the most intimate of relationships if it's forced on you. It won't work. It's a choice, a free choice. And he says... If you want to partake of this covenant, it's your decision. It's your decision. I will not force you because then it's not a charitable relationship. So you decide. A lot of people decide to do it. A lot of people don't. They reject it. A lot of people say, "Well, I'll think about it." Well, I I would be there. I'd be willing to say that most of you here today have said yes. Yes, God, I want to be a part of this covenant. Why do I know that? Because the ones who accept the invitation go on to be called the church. Church. (laughs) That's what you are. You're the church. You're the church. And that's why you're here today. You accept it, and you believe it, and you receive it. Now, I can understand how contemplating truths like that uh, and such goodness can be cause for great... Don't you feel it in your heart? Didn't you feel it today when you walked through those doors? Man, I'm feeling good. I'm here to praise God. I'm here to celebrate God because what God has done in restoring me to himself. Hallelujah. Hallelujah for that. It's cause for great celebration. But at the Mass, there's more to celebrate as we continue on in that line of thought. Actually, infinitely more. It's just the scratching of it. That's God for you, folks. That's God for you. What could be so great? Well, look at the Holy Thursday. That's where you see the answers. It's called the Lord's Supper, right? It's called the Lord's Supper. And uh, what we do at the Mass is we remember that. Everything we do is about remembering the Lord's Supper, and it's about reenacting it. That's what we do at the Mass. We reenact it right here at the Mass. So what is it about Holy Thursday that angels marvel at? What is it at this Mass, right now, this time, that our our hearts are so stirred deeply within us that they're about to burst with joy and love? What is it? Let me give you a couple of points. When the bread and wine in a few moments are consecrated by the priest, they literally become the body, the soul, the blood, and the divinity of Jesus. In other words, you and I, in this moment in time, we literally experience on earth the glorified Jesus who's in heaven. What did he say again? I got to say it. This is my body. This is my blood. Didn't he say it? And it is through the power of the Holy Spirit as the, ha- the Holy Spirit descends upon the act of consecration and turns ordinary wine and bread into the literal presence of Jesus. What do you think of that? Yes, that's right. Praise God. Praise God. for. Could you imagine doing this? I mean, it would be the craziest, thing- silliest thing in the world, actually, If we did all this stuff about the Mass leading up to this, and it was nothing more than bread and wine, I'd say, you're crazy. I really would. I'd say, man, something wrong with you. No. Jesus said, it's my body. It is my blood. That's what it was. But it even gets greater than that. After everything is consecrated, what takes place? Jesus says to you who have chosen this covenant with him he says come to my table come to my table and feast with me what's the word that we like to use commune communion communion fellowship commune with me and commune with each other the church Isn't that beautiful? I mean, uh, communion is a choice. Nobody's going to force you today to come and receive communion. Nobody's going to do that. It's your choice. But if you do, remember what it is. What did Jesus say after he consecrated? He said, take and eat. Take and drink, didn't he? He's inviting you to communion with him on a deep level of friendship. And once that bond of friendship with God is strengthened, it prepares us. I like to think of it this way. Our tank is topped off. By the time we get to the end of this Mass, our tank is topped off. We're filled with joy. Great joy. Great love. Great happiness. And what does Jesus say? Go. <laughs> that's, what, that's, what you, you know, that's what Mass literally means, to be sent. He says, go and tell others and invite them into the Father's house so that they too may choose if they want to receive this. That's your calling. Go out into the highways, the byways, anywhere you can find people and invite them. And we do that because we're filled with joy. Because of the greatness of what God is doing in our lives. We want others to have a desire ability to choose that as well. That's why the Mass is a great celebration. That's why the Mass is a great time of rejoicing. I suppose the only question I would leave is for you this day, and it's this. When you come through those doors, what do you see at the Holy Mass? What does this mass mean to you? God bless you and I love you.